All right, well, good morning and uh, welcome to our continuing study in the book of Luke. And we're beginning chapter 5 today. And when I first started out, I was looking at this and I was saying, okay, I got nothing. <laughs> and then the Lord began to connect the dots for me. And then it was like he was feeding me with a fire hose. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to move through this a, li- a little bit today. And so today we'll be looking at uh, John, uh, Luke chapter 5, verse uh, 1 through 11. And we'll read through it first real quick. And it came to pass, <clears throat> Luke chapter 5, verse 1, that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Remember that he had been up in uh, this other area and... Uh, then he, he told his disciples he must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent in chapter 4. <clears throat> so he's up here in this area of the lake, and he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep. And that's the title of our message today. Launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a draught. And most of your translations say, Let down your nets for a haul. And Simon answered unto him, Master, we've toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. That's kind of how I felt. I said, I got nothing. And he says, well, let down the net. Get ready for a haul. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes in their net break, and they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Those were his partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. And so as I was kind of outlining this and the usual outlines call, uh, break it down like the calling of the disciples, the miracle of the draught of fishes, the cleansing of a leper, the healing of the man taken with a palsy next, and then the calling of Matthew, Levi, the publican, and then it closes out with a parable about fasting. But uh, I just became consumed with this first part here, these first 11 verses, and <clears throat> I said, what else is in there? And it's not just about the call of the disciples. There's, you know, there's always so much more than we think. And, and, and he says, launch out into the deep. And, and that's just a, a metaphor for the gospel. And uh, I, I just so many things came to me through this study <clears throat> I think about uh, the things that Norm has taught us from Zechariah and Malachi and Levi and 
all those things. And, and in Isaiah 28.9, uh, he has a tremendous vision of the Lord God, the Lord of hosts. And he says, whom shall he teach? And he says, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. And so what we learn in Zechariah, what we learn in Levi helps us understand about Luke and what we learn in Luke helps us understand maybe what we learn in, in Leviticus and, uh, and so forth. Uh, and what we find out is there's always so much more than we think. If we look to Jesus, as Norm said Wednesday night, the Lord of hosts, God Almighty, and pray for him to reveal more of himself to us, we will see more and more of him. And we will see more of free and sovereign grace if we seek him like hidden treasure. So today, <clears throat> there's kind of a challenge here for us to resolve to let go of our conceptions of the Lord God Almighty. He's not uh, like a genie in the booth on the pier that you put your quarter in and make a wish. He's more than we can measure. He's greater than we can imagine. His eternal love for us cannot be reckoned in our finite minds, really. And, and yet he gives us glimpses through a glass darkly, as Paul said. And even then, without revelation, it's, it's incomprehensible because he is magnificent. He's just so much more. We're, when we look to him, we're never disappointed. <clears throat> so if we look in this block of scripture from, in Luke from verse 1 to 11, I pray that the Lord would be pleased to, to open our eyes a little to see more of him and his glory. And usually we find the physical teachings or doing of Jesus uh, metaphorically speak to a more spiritual application. He's just not doing stuff. He's not doing healings. He's not doing uh, things just because he can. He's doing them f for a spiritual purpose for the church. And in the first few verses, we're introduced primarily to Simon Peter, and then later in verse 10, James and John, the, the sons of Zebedee. But we find out they've had a relationship before what's recorded here in Luke. And if we turn over to... Uh, John chapter 1, it, it, we have a little preface to our lesson today. They, they already had a relationship, and that was between Jesus and these men from, from eternity. <clears throat> and as we look there in John chapter 1 and, and, and back to Luke 5, two verses that I'd like us to keep in mind, <clears throat> keep in view as what transpires here in Luke. First one is from John 10.27. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And the second one is from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, where it's written, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So now turn with me over to John chapter 1 for a little background on these men, as these men are called by the gospel. And <clears throat> So join me in John chapter 1, verse 35. <clears throat> Again, the next days after John, these, these fellows that we're looking at had been kind of in association with John the Baptist. The next day after John stood and two of his disciples looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. 
And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek you? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? They, they didn't know what they, what they asked. They were thinking in physical terms, where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them, come and see. And it was a much more spiritual come and see than just a, oh yeah, I live over here on Fort East 21st Street or, or in a tent somewhere. Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. It's interesting to me that, that the Gospels record so much detail. It was a certain day, and it was at the tenth hour of the day even. The, the time is even recorded for us. And in verse 40, one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, which was Simon Peter's brother. <clears throat> He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. When Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, and thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The day following, uh, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and say unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, a city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And that's, that's what our pastor always does. He takes us to Levi, he takes us to the prophets, he takes us to the Psalms and, and preaches Christ. In verse 46, Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And here's a key thing that we find that the Lord had said back in verse 39, Come and see. And that's, that's what pastors do. That's what anybody that's declaring the gospel does. They, they take the scriptures and, and they say, Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, When knowest thou me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Before Philip called thee, when thou was under the fig tree, I saw thee. And Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. You know, he thought he was alone in that fig tree. He was maybe praying to the Lord, maybe deep in meditation, maybe contemplating who knows what. But the Lord had his eye on him from all eternity. And he said, I saw thee. And you know, he called him the Son of God, the King of Israel, and, and the Lord could have said the same thing to him that he said unto Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father, which is in, in heaven, and in verse 50, Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. You haven't seen anything yet. There's, there's always more to Jesus. So when we come to chapter 5 in the Gospel of Luke, as Jesus is preaching to a great multitude to the point that they were they were pressing on him. They were 
They were just so close he couldn't budge hardly. To hear the word of God, it was it was according to his purpose and the determinate counsel of God. For he said, as we close chapter 4, he said, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. And so he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. We, and that's the closing two verses from Luke 40, uh, chapter 4, verse 43, 44. <clears throat> so he must needs go there. He must needs go to Samaria. He must needs go to Jericho because he said to Zacchaeus, I must abide at thy house today. He must needs go to Galilee. And I kind of glossed over this a little bit in my first version of this thing as I was telling Norman, and I felt it necessary to, I felt compelled to go back and explore this a little bit more in, in Samaria. And so let's take a quick side trip to John chapter 4 where he must needs go to Samaria. In John chapter 4 verse 3 it says, He left Judea and departed again into Galilee and he must needs go through Samaria. He had one of his flock there. He had a sheep there. And he had his eye on her just the same as he did Nathaniel. Just the same as he did Peter. Just the same as he does with all his people. And uh, he he cometh to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, verse 5, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And again, we have a specific time. It was the sixth hour. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And that was an odd time of day because it was in the heat of the day. It was a time when not many other people were there and and she was a woman that was not looked upon with favor. And so she came there probably at that time every day because that was when she would get the least amount of grief from people. And, and lo and behold, the king of kings, the Lord of hosts, is sitting there on the well, but she doesn't know him. She recognizes him as a Jew. She comes to the well and this well, the well was the center of the city. The well was the life of the city. Everybody had to go to the well for their water. And as she comes to the well, Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. I don't believe that that was accidental. I think that that was purposed because he wanted to be alone. And that's where people need to be. They need to be alone with Jesus. And Jesus, he asked her, give me to drink. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou being a Jew askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. They were kind of a mixed breed people and the Jews uh, disdained to have anything to do with them. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God. You know what the gift of God is? By, By grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is, that saith to thee, give me a drink, 
Thou wouldest ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence how hast thou this living water? Now deep here, that is in our title of our message today, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. Now there's two usages of this, and it's translated deep many times, and and, uh, one time it's uh, translated when Jesus cast out some demons out of the pigs and they went, they said, don't, don't command us to go off into the deep, which is really, a, it should be translated the abyss or the bottomless pit. <clears throat> but here, <clears throat> uh, this deep, it, it's really an interesting word and it's the basis of our study in Luke today. And a little etymology of this word is necessary for our understanding. And here in in John, this deep is an adjective which is attached to and describing the well of Jacob. It's the source and center of life in this city. And it's from the Greek word bathos. And that, that it, it means pro, profound. It's profundity. It's, it's very, very deep. It's by implication... Uh, uh, a depth that's beyond understanding, uh, and <clears throat> and so here we have this this adjective, and and that is from the root word base, where basis, where we get the word basis from. Well, mathematics is the basis for algebra. It's the foundation upon which something is built. It's the the root of it. It's the, the, the main thing. And so that's what, where we get this word. It's this Greek word basis is the foot or the foundation of something. And, and here we have her saying the well is deep. And she knows not what she's talking about really, but the Holy Spirit has recorded that for us and cause us to kind of look into that a little bit. And Jesus is about to take her in to the deep. And remember we said originally that the deep is nothing more than the gospel. And the gospel is so expansive. It's as simple and as complicated as the Lord himself. There's, there's so much more to it than we can imagine. But it's so simple that anyone can have it. Jesus is about to take her into the deep. He's in the process of revealing himself to one whom he has known and loved from all eternity. And he's meeting her at the sixth hour. And she says, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus, he he unlocks a little bit of the deep for her and he says, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And you know, you think about the Lord. He knew that back when he caused Jacob to have that well dug. That at this very sixth hour on this very day, when he must needs go into Samaria, that he would meet one of his sheep there. 
and he would unlock to her the well of water springing up into eternal life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And Jesus said unto her, Well, go call thy husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that thou said is truly. I saw you under the fig tree. Everything is naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. He knows his sheep. He knows all about them and, and he sees them. And she said, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain and ye say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. She She's not ready to enter the deep. <laughs> she's... She's holding back. She's saying, oh, I can't go there. And Jesus saying unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither work in this mountain nor in yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. He says, you worship, you know not what. And that's where we are when we're in unregenerate state. And even after we're saved, we don't have a full comprehension of the Lord of hosts, the Holy One of God. He says, you worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour cometh and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. There is a spiritual truth for us to contemplate. In In the scriptures he says, you thought I was altogether such a one as yourself, but I'm not. I'm God Almighty. I'm the Lord of hosts. I'm the Holy One. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ, and when he is come, he will tell us all things. And... <clears throat> You know how this ends up. She goes away, and you know what she says? She says, come and see. Come and see. Come and see a man that told me all things ever I did. Is this not the Christ? Jesus said to her in verse 26, he said, she said, I know that Messiah is coming, and he says, I'm he. I am. And again, flesh and blood did not reveal that to her. But the Lord God of hosts, the Holy Spirit revealed that in her. <clears throat> she is in the deep. Come come and see. And that's what that's what we all do when we've been regenerated. We we want to tell people about the gospel and all we can do is say, come and see. And that's what our pastor does whenever whenever he preaches. He just says, here's the gospel, come and see. You know, Philip, I was thinking of our pastor this morning and and I, the thing that, one of the things that I just love the most about him is whenever he comes to a scripture or whenever somebody comes to him with a scripture, he's just like Philip. He starts there and preaches unto them Christ. Philip 
if, if you were to look over in Acts, the 8th chapter, we find Philip and the Spirit. He's been preaching the gospel. He said to his brother, come and see. Now he's been preaching to the people in Azotus, I think it is. And, and he said, come and see. He's preaching the gospel in the Spirit of the Lord. The God Almighty has his eye. He sees this Ethiopian under his fig tree and his chariot heading down to Egypt, having come to Jerusalem to worship whom he knew not. You worship, you know not what. Well, he's about to find out. <clears throat> and the, the Spirit of the Lord sent somebody with the gospel to him. The Spirit of the Lord said, Philip, go join thyself to this chariot. And, and he, he went there and the Ethiopian was reading from the book of Isaiah. And, and Philip said, well, do you understand what you read? And he says, uh, no, <laughs> not really. How can I unless some man guide me? And, and Philip started at the same scripture there and preached unto him Jesus and the Holy Spirit unlocked things for him. He, he saw Christ. He's, and it, and G, it's like Jesus said, he's, he began at Moses and the prophets and all the scriptures and expounded to them things, them of the things concerning himself. And so Philip has given him the key and the Spirit has allowed him that key to unlock and to launch into the deep and see Jesus, not just in Isaiah 53 or wherever, but in all the scriptures. And when I was reading this, I thought, this is the same thing. This is the same thing. The, the eunuch says, here is water, and water, here's the water of the word. What doth hinder me to launch into the deep? And Philip says, If thou believest, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he says, It was just like when, when the, the eunuch said, Is this guy that wrote this talking about himself or some other? And Philip said, Come and see. And that's what our pastor does. He, he brings, you bring him a scripture and he's going to say, come and see, here, here's the Christ. And so now he must needs go to Samaria. He must needs go to the Sea of Galilee and gather there the ones whom the Father had given him from before the foundation of the world. In John 17, he, he He's praying to the Father about these very ones. He says in verse 11, I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. He gathered those 
whom the Father had given him, and, and he's in the process of sending them forth in the world to declare the very gospel of himself as he died for their sins according to the scriptures. He's about to send them out with the word, come and see. In verse 18 of John 17, he says, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. And neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their words. Just as, just as Philip was going to go down to that Ethiopian eunuch and start at the same scripture and preach unto them Christ, Come and see, launch into the deep. He's chosen by the foolishness of preaching this to save them that believe. And now with that in mind, we turn back to Luke 5 where we find Jesus as he's about calling these fishermen, these ones who had been given him from eternity by the Father, men whom he had his eye upon and loved eternally, and, and men about whom he says, I know them and they follow me. And isn't that just what we read? He said, follow me, and they forsook all and followed him. <clears throat> and men, men whose deepest and innermost thoughts were manifest unto him, their faults, their misgivings, their doubts, yet he sees them only through the eyes of eternal love, through the gospel of his blood that was shed for them. The, Jeremiah 31, 3, we love that verse. It says, the Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Loved thee with an eternal love and kept his eye on each and every one. They've heard the gospel. They were with John the Baptist. And now they're about to experience so much more. He said to Nathaniel, Because I saw you under the fig tree, thou sayest, I believe, he said, you're going to see greater things than these. The miracle, this miracle of this fishes. Luke chapter 5, verse 4. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. Now as we learn from John chapter 5, that was used, deep was used as an adjective, but here it's a noun, it's the same word, but it's the noun form of that same word, profound. And uh, there's, there's so much more about this than a supernatural big catch of fish that it represents uh, and the sheep who would hear and believe on Jesus through their word. Naturally, he says, uh, from now on, you're going to catch men instead of fish. But it's, there's so much more here. This is really about the revelation of who and what Christ, the Lord God Almighty, the Lord of hosts is. Launch out into the deep. There's a bit of a challenge to us in this verse to let go our conceptions about Jesus to depart from where we are, which is what you do when you launch, when we lived in Alaska, we launched our boat all the time. We backed up to the river or the ocean and we shoved off from where we were and we launched out. And uh, the deep here is rendered to us again from the Greek bathos. And so when you next jump into your tub, you might think about this a little bit. However, 
in, in the usage here in the Greek, this deep is a noun and the meaning is really profundity, profoundness, a mystery that is so profound and expansive in its depth as to be without measure. His ways, you know, Paul said in Romans, and we'll read this a little bit later here, his ways are past finding out. They're just so, so expansive. <clears throat> like the pictures, it reminded me of the pictures from the Hubble telescope. You see a great specter of grandeur, and beyond that is just more, and beyond that is just more, and beyond that is just more, and it just keeps going. And it's just a, a symbol of Jesus. There's, there's just more. There's always more than we expect. And then to those who sincerely wish to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, he is pleased to show us more of himself and more of free grace, and we are never disappointed. And no matter where we are in our relationship with Jesus, there's always more. From the new, the babe that's new in Christ to the one that's been all their life. There's, we go to Zechariah and we learn something that helps us understand something in Luke. And we learn something in Luke that helps us understand something in Levi, uh, Leviticus and, and Numbers. And, and there's, there's no end to it. It just keeps expanding and expanding. It's, it's when God cross starts dotting the, connecting the dots for you. There's no end to it. First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 10 says, and he's talking about this, what he calls in this case a big mystery. And he said, I hath not seen nor ear heard. Neither have entered into the heart of men the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. And that is the gospel. That is salvation. That is Christ. That is, you know, we would see Jesus. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. And there's that same word again, the profound things. Not not just a measure of water, but the the deep, profound, the expansiveness, the the manifold wisdom of God. It's, It's such a broad spectrum that we can't even see it see it all. We can only see a a glimpse a little bit of it through the glass darkly, as Paul said. And most often when we we see something like this, when we experience something like this, it's so wonderful in scope and expansiveness that we we say kind of like David the psalmist, he said, it's it's too wonderful for me. It's high. I I can't I cannot attain. I can't take it all away. It's, it's too much. And so sometimes we kind of draw back from it a little bit because it kind of overwhelms us with the wonderfulness of us, the grandeur of it. And, and you know, Paul wrote about that, in, as we mentioned in Romans 11, having launched out from the physical things of this world and head knowledge only of the scriptures, he experienced the deep and he wrote to the church of it in Romans 11.33, He says, oh, the depth, and it's the same word, the profoundness of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. 
For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompense unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. You know what he's saying there is God is working all things for good. Of him and through him and to him are all things. And he's working them for good to them who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. That is the deep, friends. As believers, <clears throat> sometimes we're a little afraid to, to launch into the deep because we're comfortable where we are and it seems solid and <clears throat> not much is required or expected. When we, when we go out in the deep, the boat gets a little rocky and, and, and a little scary sometimes. We, we draw back and we're not really ready to let go and, and we rely instead on known physical things and we tend to think one-dimensionally. And You know, I appreciated so much what uh, Wednesday night when Pastor Norm w was telling us about the Lord of hosts and he, and he went to a verse or two over in Second Kings chapter 17 about Elisha and his servant. And this servant was so filled with anxiety because he got up in the morning and he saw that they were surrounded by the enemy and then he went in and woke up Elisha there in, in verse 15 of Second Kings chapter 6 and he said, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And Elisha, he's been in the deep. He said, he said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he, that he may see. He was just going to see what was there all along, but he just didn't have the eyes to see it. But they were there. <clears throat> and the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots and fire round about Elisha. <clears throat> and they that be with us are more. And there was also a verse that our pastor brought out in his Malachi study from chapter 3, and usually this verse is tendered in a way to kind of monetize the gospel, but in reality it's just another way of launching out into the deep. In Malachi 3.10, it says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me, now herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. You launch out into the deep, my friends, and then you get ready for a haul. And this tithing is here, it's just a, a metaphor for faith, exercising faith in the Lord. Bring me your... Bring it to me, test me, and I'll give you a blessing that you won't be able to take it all in. And when we launch out into the deep, some important things happen which are not reversible. You get a right conception of the Holy One of God, the Lord of hosts, and you can never go back. Once you see the Lord of glory, you can't go back. You are never the same. Your, your view of yourself becomes clear and then your deliverance becomes 
so much more precious because you see what you've been delivered from and who delivered you. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. When the true nature of the Lord is revealed to us, we look at ourselves like Peter did here in chapter 5. He says, I've launched into the deep, Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Like Paul, this is a faithful saying. Depart me. He said, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. That's how he saw himself after he launched into the deep. (laughs) Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. That's how he saw it now. Like Isaiah chapter 6, he said, He had a vision. He said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up on a throne. His train filled the temple and above it stood the seraphims. And and one cried unto the other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And he said, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And you know what happened? The Lord took care of that. He flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hands, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Thy sin is purged. And like Jeremiah You know, in Jeremiah chapter 1, the the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And you know what Jeremiah said? He said, Lord God, I can't speak. I'm just a child. And the Lord said, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I send thee, and whatsoever I command thee shalt thou speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Man. He launched into the deep, and he said, I don't know what to say. And the Lord says, I'll take care of that. Once you launch out into the deep and you see the king and his beauty, find that in Isaiah 33, 7, you can't go back to a lesser view of God. And the challenge today is to launch out into the deep, to plumb the depths of the profound riches of his grace to usward who are saved by grace and called according to his eternal purpose. Launch out into the deep, the deep of the gospel, and let down your nets for a haul. And as always, my friends, be free.